When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. It's probably on a lot of product managers' minds to see the news with Elon Musk taking over Twitter and day one, he's bringing in engineers from Tesla to come talk to product managers from Twitter to find out what they quote unquote need. That's chilling. I knew that he moved in and the CEO, the headlines I read this morning, the CEO and the CFO, I believe were, were out. And then I didn't hear about at this point what happened there. Some of the top four execs are out. And I, I guess there, there is this looming question of there's a big cliff vest, vestment, vestiture. Everybody's stuff vests on Tuesday, but they have to still be employed on Tuesday. So there's some question of would will he do layoffs before then? Is he going to keep his word? So there's that whole cloud of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But then just to, to have employees from another company that is really completely unrelated, they just coincidentally have the same CEO, right? That's it. That's not a legitimate connection. He's bringing in engineers from Tesla to what to basically like assess the situation with product and engineering. Yeah, Is yeah, that, and okay. these are these are software engineers, it, right? Okay. These are not automotive right. engineers. <laughs> well, at least there's some some uh, relevancy there. <laughs> but they're they're not consultants. Yeah. What do they have NDAs in place? There's a whole host of questions. That's just a really iffy situation to be put in. Really, as as any kind of employee, but as a product manager in particular. We are already used to being in weird situations, I'd say, as a profession. Oh, constantly. It's never boring. That's for sure. But then it's like, what are the limits? And then what do you do? Well, this situation is not unique. I feel like, Taj, you and your company have kind of gone through a, a big shift with this year as well, right? So I don't know if you've realized any of this. Well, or, I, I can yeah. tell you, yeah. I'm in Tanzu Labs, which is part of VMware, and we have a Broadcom acquisition pending. There's certainly uncertainty around what will happen to our piece of the VMware equation. I can tell you, though, that we haven't had any Broadcom employees showing up to ask questions. The only one who does is the CEO of Broadcom, and he's only talking to senior leadership. And that's it. That's above board. Yeah, I mean, so we have uncertainty, but that's like the normal kind of uncertainty with a an acquisition coming. This is another level. What do you make of that, Jake? Have you been in a situation like this before? Never. No. I don't know. I would say most people have not. I think the other variable that's interesting, I don't know enough, enough about it to really say one way or the other, but the fact that Tesla's public and Twitter is rapidly mm. becoming unpublic, private. And is there, is there a challenge there of having 
public employees going to another separate private entity and having these kinds of conversations seems a little bit odd. Maybe we can put ourselves in the situation on both sides. I can imagine from Musk's point of view, he trusts the Tesla engineers. He's built this team he's worked closely with. The biggest thing is that trust, right? Asking them to go and analyze the situation is probably going to get more from it than maybe him particularly, or especially if all the leaders are jumping ship. Maybe he's not getting what he needs and using his team internally that he does trust to analyze. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? I mean, that could be an approach. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Mm -hmm. I've been a part of M&As as well on just the buying side so far. But um, what we would normally do, you know, work with the company is really just listen and understand. I just want to learn how you guys do what you do and what made it so valuable. We bought the team in that case and we thought there was value there. So let's understand and see how we can incorporate those two cultures, those ways of working together, learn what's working best from each other. So I can see that type of integration being very valuable. And then on the other side, having someone come in and analyze the situation where you probably don't feel as stable, hearing all the news, you know, there's not a clear probably line of communication of what the events are going to happen. There's this vesting period that's coming. And on Tuesday, I can imagine that's a really stressful situation to be in. It has a little bit of that. What would you say you do? <laughs> yes. But seriously, in all fairness, so it's been a long time since I, I talked to anyone at Twitter. So I don't know if this is still true. But when I looked into it before, product managers were expected to have technical backgrounds. I know this is a long time ago. It, it makes a little more sense in light of that, if that's still the case, that engineers would be talking to PMs because the PMs would be technical and they would know about the software estate in question. Were it, say, Yelp, who at least back in the at the same time I knew their PMs were expected to be able, they were more designers. They were expected to be able to create working mock-ups as opposed to back-end code. You know, that would be weirder, but still. I imagine it's probably awkward for the engineers coming in from Tesla. Maybe they, they think they're coming in as some kind of savior or one can only speculate. Yeah, the other thing that's weird, I feel like in most M&A situations, it's the acquiring company engineers that are coming in to have these conversations. Tesla has nothing to do with Twitter outside of it. It's just part of Elon Musk's portfolio of companies that he has. So it's not like it's an engineering team coming in to start thinking about how to integrate the two products together, unless Elon has some crazy vision of tweeting from your Tesla as an Easter egg (laughs) feature with the tire burning or something. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, I think that's part of the oddity here too. Yeah. I would imagine an approach would be You're evaluating people, tools, tech, right? And features and product at that moment of acquisition, what's worth for their investing in and not. And maybe that is what could we potentially remove in the way that, but but there's not the correlation of the industry or the problem, which is the hard part. Maybe they're assessing the skills and Elon has this bar that he's looking for and, and his team has met that bar. And so now they're evaluating against that bar. But that's just, I don't know. It's hard to assess what they're thinking in this moment. What if we played it out as as we were in that scenario on the Twitter side of things? How would you actually approach this as a product manager getting involved in this? Next week, when y'all are talking about this, we'll be on the other side of knowing a thing or two. Like, we'll know if those layoffs happened or not. So let's, yeah, let's metaphorically write something down and stick it in an envelope. What are we predicting for a week from now? Are people going to last past the the cliff, the vestiture cliff? I think Elon pays them 
and Maggie does a big ritz. Okay, so you think he'll do the honorable thing, keeping the, the money agreement, and then make the changes that he wants? Okay. I think so, because I think there's also been, at least what I've seen, there's been a lot of talk of people challenging Elon on the decision not to pay people legally. And I don't know if he would do it more out of like corporate, just good citizenship and more out of just legal pragmatism and just thinking that it's just better to just not get into a big old argument with Twitter employees over the payments and just do it and then make the changes. I don't know if it's going to be so uniform. I feel like there'll be elements where that is the case and then large swaps where it's not. He might intentionally do that for but uh, yeah, that, that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, has he made those kind of rash, unpopular decisions before in the past? It seems like he has. I think he has. Yeah. Bu buying Twitter. Yeah. So then is that a pattern, right? Is that a one-time thing? It seems that I would expect the same thing to happen, right? And so maybe there is a, a portion that is kept or, or held accountable for the agreement. And then there's some that just aren't. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing yeah. either way. This is one of those moments where I think it's helpful for folks to remember not to confuse the quality of a decision with the quality of its outcome. People make the best decision they can given the situation they're in. How things turn out is a totally different thing. You might make the best decision there is and have a bad outcome. And that person shouldn't be judged for the decision. It's just luck. It's dumb luck at that point. And execution. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, are going to be judging or be judged on how things turned out. There's a, there's a huge logical mm -hmm. fallacy in that. Yeah, he could take it any number of ways. He could do nothing. And just let it ride. I think if Elon is letting people go based on his assessment of the quality of their decision making, that's fair. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and assume that that's what's happening. But for a lot of folks down at the lower levels, it's just going to be luck. I don't think it's possible to go in and, and evaluate people's decision making at this massive a scale. So you're a PM at Twitter, maybe not at that level where you're part of the luck group. What do you do in this moment? Do you, are you looking? Are you actively looking? Or are you going to kind of weather the storm? Like, is it a combo of both? Maybe not like passively looking and then kind of like, what are you, what are you thinking in this moment? I wish something other than a warfare or combat metaphor would come to mind. But unfortunately, all I can think of is, I think it was Miyamoto Musashi who wrote, before going into battle, he would remind himself, I am already a dead man. And all I can do is what I have trained to do. So if you assume you've already lost everything, then you, you do what is the next step, but not necessarily acting, right? If there's some, if there's some waiting to be had, like, well, wait till next Tuesday, wait till next whatever. My anxiety is kicking in at this point and I'm looking and just to have that in my back pocket and getting those conversations started. Am I going to write it out? I don't know. I guess it depends on how long I've been there in the context of the situation of the space too. Like, do, do we feel like this business line is or this product strategy is going to get cut? What conviction or confidence do we have of sticking around to finding out? The interesting thing I think will happen is you might see a whole bunch of teams leave to go explore that strategy that Twitter decided to stop exploring. You might have a whole bunch of new different startups, I think, birthing from this, yeah, which interesting. can be fun. Probably a, a Twitter competitor or two, or maybe not competitor, but... Similar, solving a, an adjacent problem, right? Or, or something that is in that space. Yeah. I certainly do love to see the products that come out of people 
who left a mm. company to go build the thing that they wish they could have built at the company. You know, Zoom is WebEx 3.0, the WebEx that never was. Even if you were ever into cycling stuff, Chrome Industries, the founders left and started Mission Workshop with this idea like, this is what we would do with Chrome if we had started it over to talk about physical product. There are so many examples of this. Whether you like that new mm. version or not, it's always interesting. Yeah. So that part, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's an exciting idea. I, I do want to point out, though, that that sort of networking that one does to create fertile ground for finding a new opportunity, it's like tree planting trees. The best time to do it is 10 years ago. The next best time is today, right? So I noticed you said start. I'm hoping for most people that they're not starting. Networking is one thing, but then the starting to actively apply would be the start of what I was assuming. Even that, it, it's sort of uh, the secret to finding great jobs is often it's it's word of mouth. It, people already have you in mind, and that comes from networking, or to be more specific about what that means, staying checked in with people you know and trust and care about, and letting them in on your hopes and dreams and aspirations, letting them know what it is you want to be doing professionally. Yeah, manifesting that opportunity. Yeah. Every job offer I've had in the last 15 years has come from conversations like that, usually when my guard has been down. There's an interesting dynamic there around vulnerability. Like, do you want to be vulnerable in that tense and risk that getting back to whoever, like your employer, perhaps, and then your employer questioning your motivations or your buy-in to the mission or to the company? Or Yeah, that, yeah. that can be scary. I think yeah. if you're in a, a Musk company, mm. that might be a bad yeah. thing. And then, I don't know, for me, being let go because of something like that would be doing me a favor, helping me get out of a place I don't want to be because living under the specter of, of that sort of being deemed disloyal or not giving 110% or whatever, that would be toxic for me. Toxic in one sense. People throw the word toxic around. Well, all right. So I want to clarify just that word toxic. People throw mm -hmm. it around a lot. Like that's toxic. You know, they, they deem it toxic. But, you know, toxic is, is a matter of like, is it toxic for you? Now, some things are going to be universally toxic for everybody. There are extremophiles. There are people out there who just thrive in situations that for other people is absolutely poison. I'm more of a hothouse flower, and I'm not looking for that misadventure. For me, I need more psychological safety than is afforded by worrying mm. about the CEO's view of my loyalty or dedication. This loyalty you have to a company. And that kind of like spoke to me in a weird way where I was like, well, why, why does that matter? I understand we're all kind of bought into the mission or the vision, but I think that this interesting piece of sacrificing to a mission or a vision versus like just being compelled by it. And maybe that's the difference or nuance between someone that starts a company around a certain thing, an employee to that person. It almost sounds a little cult-like. And like when you kind of brought that out, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Do we do, do we treat it in that way? Is that kind of what we expect and should we? I think the difference is the company versus the mission and the mission kind of transcends the company, right? And so if it is around the mission, I think it makes sense. It should. This is going to be a real deep cut, but this goes back to what Robert Bly wrote about in uh, Iron John, which was like a popular men's book, men's group kind of stuff from like the 80s. But he talks about the difference between a soldier and a warrior. A soldier serves you know, they, they do what they're told, whereas a warrior serves the spirit of the king kind of thing. So it, what that translates to here is, are you dedicated to that higher purpose and you're in this company to do that as long as that company is doing that? 
Or are you dedicated to wherever the company goes, which means it could be anywhere. Isn't that the crux of this conversation? Like, I feel like that's the crux of what's going on, right? Totally. The last couple jobs I got into internally in the interviews, I said, I'm just here for the transformation. That is to help our customers transform, to be transformed in that process. When those opportunities dry up, I'm not interested anymore. This is why you want me on the team, but this will be the first reason I leave. If I'm a Twitter product manager right now, the first signal I see that mission, that vision that the warrior fight for versus the soldier the moment that changes to a direction that i'm not into i'm out because i think that's yeah. that's the key what would be the non-masculine raw version of this this is just sticking with what matters sticking with your family sticking with your principles i think it's principles in like a political sense it's like it's policy not the candidate so think about i'm loyal to the outcome versus the vehicle not as loyal to the vehicle but loyal to the outcome my dad worked in federal government my whole life and there are those employees who are there for the mandate of their department and then there are the political appointees who come and go so to be a 30 year employee means you're watching the politics shift to the those people come and go and some of those policies change but that mandate doesn't change if we were to wrap it up and come back to that central point here and give homework out to our listeners that is relevant to this conversation, what would you give to them? I would say, whoever you are, wherever you are, try to have a conversation with someone where you say out loud what it is that drives you professionally, you know, what, what you value. Try to have one conversation and then have another. Get practice at saying that so that people would actually know it about you. If you don't say it out loud, no one will know. My head went to a similar place. I would I was gonna suggest check your motivation. Are you are you motivated by a person or an organization or are you motivated by an idea? I would say even further than that, not just an idea, but a problem to solve would be the most interesting thing to me, I think. Or are you gaining skills towards helping you solve that problem that you need to solve? I do want to add one one little caveat because it can be easy to think this is not the case. If your principle or value is around providing for your family or providing stability, and that translates into doing whatever you need to do professionally, that's legit. If you can totally. find a way to be honest about that. Some people are hiring for that. They're like, yes, I want someone stable who's here to bring us all stability. Yeah. Let's close this one out and follow up with a part two next week and see how it turns out and see how we can tie this topic into that discussion next week. Looks like we finished up our coffee for today, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.